North Korean leader Kim Jong-un just spent a week in Russia's Far East. He departed from Pyongyang after agreeing to deepen ties with the Russian leader. The U.S., South Korea and its allies worry about warming military ties and warn it would violate U.N. sanctions against Pyongyang. Although the two sides chose not to issue any kind of joint statement, the optics of their meeting were overt. The choice of their venue was not so subtle either. For further insights, we're now joined by Professor Kim Byung-ju of the Hanguk University of Foreign Studies. Good morning, Professor Kim. Good morning. Uh, let's begin with what has uh, kept our eyes and attention on the potential arms deal. They're saying that North Korea will be sending ammunition to Russia and Russia will probably help North Korea with its missiles and satellite development. So what does this exchange mean for South Korea and frankly, for the rest of the world? This is really new and different kind of development. And uh, for South Korea, this is very uh, new and different kind of development, first of all, but it also has really important implications in, uh, for example, more than two regions, uh, perhaps maybe, uh, you know, mainly speaking, two main regions of the world, as well as internationally, globally. So let's let's go, by, go over one by one. Mm. Number one is, of course, obviously, North Korea, South Korea, inter-Korea relations, and particularly North Korea's, uh, uh, you know, nuclear capability. They are talking about, of course, satellite technology cooperation. But everybody knows, uh, you know, it's not really about not as much of satellites, mm. except perhaps maybe uh, reconnaissance satellites. Uh, North Korea wants, uh, you know, so- satellites that could read South Korea, Japan, and perhaps United States and whatever is for for their defense mm. reasons but but bigger reason here is rockets we we know mm. north korea wants to uh you know finish its development of uh, rocket uh, missile capability to deliver its nuclear warhead mm. to the united states so if they get last boost in terms of this technology development from russia that's a major new, new development for this part of the world. Mm. But quite interestingly, at the same time, uh, you know, this uh, bi- bilateral summit between Putin and Kim Jong-un, what it means is also for Europe, uh, Ukraine, uh, North Korea, mm. if it sends its ammunitions and, and uh, conventional uh, weapons and so on, it means prolonging Ukraine war there, and mm. it means a lot for in allies of the United States and Korea and uh, continuing turmoil in that part of the region and ripple effect all around the world. And lastly, uh, global uh, impact. And as you mentioned, we will have United Nations General Assembly opening in New York uh, very soon. Uh, and when we talk about it, we are talking about the UN system. Mm. And and Russia is uh, one of P5, permanent five members of UN Security Council, meaning it's a world leader within the post-war uh, you know, world system, world design. And the thing is, because North Korea has faced so many different UN sanctions supported in the past by China and Russia, if Russia takes side with uh North Korea and exchange these ammunitions for um, you know missile technology or satellite technology it's a clear violation on the part of Russia as well as North Korea of the United Nations actions so far right. so this is kind of destroying 
the United Nations uh, current system of uh, world stability. This is a major, major challenge against that as well. Mm. Even prior to this uh, Russia-North Korea summit, I think there were questions raised about the effectiveness of those UNSC resolutions. But now it seems that we'd have to get a closer look on what those UNSC resolutions mean today in 2023. And naturally, Mm -hmm. we knew that Washington, D.C. would bring up those resolutions once more. Uh, But beyond that, what do we see in Washington's reaction thus far? On the surface, we see lots of verbal warnings, mm. um, you know, talking about you know, threats to the United Nations mm. system and, and North Korea and everything. But basically, what we see is kind of like United States running out of its options. Mm. For the last uh, three decades, it has been already three decades since the North Korean nuclear uh, situation has occurred. and. Uh, three decades have proven that United States doesn't really have cards, its cards, uh, other than perhaps the UN side sanctions. Mm. Uh, it could not destroy North Korea's capability physically. It could not persuade North Korea from arming further and so on. So uh, this case shows once again that North Korea, uh, United States doesn't really have much cards and it has almost run out of its cards Mm. Uh, even about United Nations sanctions there are jokes about you know there isn't much other than maybe some small mom and and pop stores in (laughs) Pyongyang that (laughs) that's outside the range of uh, uh, sanctions anymore Mm. I mean they have gone through a long list of sanctions and they have almost run out of it and so what we see on the side of the United States is kind of like a United States have uh, running out of its choices and controls and measures to counter this while it continues to just air the warning against it. So it's it's not a pretty picture at all. Mm. Uh, the thing is, uh, usually a summit of this level uh, is finalized with a joint statement, but because it serves neither North Korea or Russia's interests, there was no statement. Um, the optics of their meeting were overt, though. Uh, following the summit, Russia seemed to show some signs of caution. So what do you suppose Kremlin has in mind? Are they aware that they say they take one false step and perhaps the UN and the United States might respond differently? Bingo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the thing is, normally, uh, you know, without all other considerations, when when Kim Jong-un and Putin meets and, and they, mm-hmm. they meet together and then, you know, create this kind of like a historic scene here, normal reaction would be North Korea coming up with a joint statement with Russia saying their mutual commitments and and so on. Because Russia, more than anything, any other major powers around the world, they like things in written. But this time, as you mentioned, a lack of such written statements kind of is something new, wake up call to the to the world. And what it's uh, basically telling us is that Russia faces very difficult choice. Of course, uh, you know the, the 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 main thing that prompted Russia acting this way is, of course, desperation on the side of Ukraine. They are running mm. out of their ammunitions. They need conventional weapon supply and so on. So that's why Russia, uh, Putin flew all the way to the far east to Russia and waited for Kim Jong Un for thirty minutes. Mm. Uh, Putin is so infamous for being late for this kind of meeting, but he was there thirty minutes before <laughs> Kim Jong Un waiting for him and. And that kind of stuff. So they they have this urgent need, but at the same time, Russia faces very stark uh, choice. That is something that I've already mentioned. If they go all the way and make this deal official, 
expressed on the surface, they actually undermine their own position within the UN system. They have enjoyed this post-war uh, you know, position as a, a member of permanent P5 uh, at United Nations Security Council, and they have exercised their veto power big time all the time, basically. Mm-hmm. The thing is now, if they go into this direction, they actually take the, the carpet out of their feet on their own, basically. Mm-hmm. We're not, uh, we are actually giving up this UN Security Council P5 position, so they can't afford to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what they have to do is they probably have to this you know they have to carry out this exchange deal under the table mm-hmm. undercover mm-hmm. uh and this is not that that can be justified under un system so that's probably what's going on mm-hmm. uh, that's probably what we see here when russia says oh no statement uh you know we're we're just talking about technology cooperation for satellites that's all mm. uh the reason behind it is because russia has still interest in staying member of permanent five of the security council of the united nations that they have not given up on that that's why they're acting kind of funny in a way so we would uh subsequently to rely on intelligence data to see if any sort of military alliance has been strengthened between the two countries for the time being neither side will say that on record Uh, which brings us also to our next question uh china's careful posturing Uh, it does look like china has mixed feelings about the kim putin meeting Uh, experts say china is probably reluctant to match Russia and providing advanced weapon technologies to North Korea, at least explicitly. Uh, yet, China, Beijing is also a longtime client of Pyongyang. And so this brings into a lot of uh, mixed questions. How would Beijing try to make the best out of this particular summit? All right. Be- Beijing has many different dimensions of the dilemma here, clearly speaking. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, it might be Beijing's best interest, if it is at all possible, to get the just get the base, uh, best out of this. Uh, you know, this whole thing happening is not exactly the, the, their best cards. Mm-hmm. And this is Putin and Kim Jong-un just acting on their own, kind of shaking off, uh, you know, the China's position. So China has to just, uh, you know, salvage whatever the, they can out of this. And there are several things. But... Uh, b- before we go over this best possible scenario for China, you, the important mention point that you mentioned before this question, that is the actual exchange between Pyongyang and, and uh, Mos- Moscow, uh, you know, sending arms and mm. then you know, receiving technology. We, we have to be mindful that this is not something that can happen overnight and uh, this will take some time. So everything we are saying today, this morning, is all speculation. Mm. There is a possibility that not much may take place, indeed. Uh, You know, maybe North Korea may send some ammunitions, perhaps, undercover secretly, but they may not uh, end up receiving substantial technology and so on, because that takes a longer time. Sending ammunition can take place immediately, but you know, receiving technology and so on is it's not something that can uh, or you know take place overnight. Mm-hmm. So we have to wait and see. And in the meantime, while the you know this is something that that you have to wait and see what exactly has happened. Going back to your question, best scenario out of. China is what China can do is kind of presenting the image of broader united front against the United States and West out of this picture uh, without really causing too much damage uh, for uh, for the entire 
system status quo. That's easy to say, extremely difficult to do here because first of all, if China is seen taking too much closer stance with Russia, uh, China may lose further with Europe. As we may recall, ever since the end of last year, mm. we've seen important heads of states flying to Beijing one by one, mm. head of EU, head of Germany, head of France, head of Italy, they all flew to Beijing to meet with Xi Jinping. So well, here what we see is a strong desire on both sides, mm. Europe and Beijing, wanting to maintain reasonable level of high while Russia is fighting war in Ukraine. So, but uh, uh, China cannot present itself definitely too close to Russia. But, but having said that, as the United States action continue to kind of block China from rising, China has to show its power, position, prestige, and so on. And the side China can rely on to is not Europe. Europe mm. is with the United States for sure. So, uh, you know, officially speaking, in common sense wise, everybody knows Russia and North Korea are on China's side. So China has to kind of present a picture that they are not completely out of it. They have to mm. include themselves in the picture of Putin uh, you know, Kim Jong-un meeting together. So there have been speculations. Uh, Beijing might have been notified of everything that they were talking about early on. Mm. Uh, we don't know whether that's case the case or not, but that's that's the picture Beijing wants to present. They say, oh, we knew what they were talking about. We we are in close coordination with them. Everything is fine and everything. So, so that's what Beijing will be working on, uh, putting themselves inside the picture and trilateral cooperation rather than kind of putting themselves out of it. Okay, but without completely alienating themselves from this sort of world power status that they've been seeking. So they're thinking globally, not just regionally. So to summarize that point, what may be holding Beijing back and what will be China's biggest concerns along the way? China, first of all, may actually realize this is a zero-sum game. Uh, the zero-sum game, mm. uh, what we mean by that is uh, you know, control over or influence over North Korea. Uh, for three decades, uh, you know, of the nuclear crisis, North Korea nuclear crisis, uh, throughout the most of the time, even though Russia was part of six-party talks once in a while and then for a while, for some time and so on, we knew China is the one that's supposed to exercise influence over North Korea. And uh, there is many different views about whether this influence was real or not, because at the end of the day, we understand China's desire as a nuclear power to prevent North Korea from arming itself with nuclear weapons failed. Mm. But, you know, having said that, still going forward, China wants to maintain its influence over North Korea. But uh, North Korea, as it's reaching out to Russia, China may actually lose its influence of North, over North Korea, whatever, mm. you know, how much influence they may have. Uh, so this is China's concern. Uh, and, and, and we have a history book to support this concern because during the Cold War, Kim Il-sung was constantly playing Moscow against Beijing, Beijing against Moscow and all that. So they have a clear memory of it. And so therefore China is quite concerned whether they're going to uh, lose whatever the remaining influence of North Korea. And their influence of North Korea or image of it is power, uh, base of their power, China's 
prestige and power and everything. So uh, that's what they will be concerned about. And we'll have to wait and see how, how that goes going forward. But uh, what we are seeing is because of this concern, probably that's why the China's foreign policy chief Wang Yi is flying to Moscow, mm -hmm. I think this, this week, perhaps, mm -hmm. and trying to, as I said before, trying to put Russia up for China, uh, try to maintain China inside the picture rather than outside of this Moscow Pyongyang uh, cooperation. So we will continue to see that. But basically, what's going to happen going forward is unclear to everybody. But <laughs> what's 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 clear here is that there have been some people saying, "Oh my God, a return of Cold War, yes. world being divided with uh, Pyongyang, Moscow, Beijing on one side." And then Washington and Europe and uh, Korea and Japan on the other side. I think that's a little bit premature. Okay. Uh, as I said, you know, Moscow and Beijing have their history, memory of history of the Cold War in the past, and they can never be become permanent friend. And so we'll have to wait and see how this complicated dynamics going forward. Thank you very much, Dr. Kim, for weeding through the noise because there was a lot of speculation, but an insightful conversation. And thank you for your insights. We'll speak to you again next week. Thank you. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.